This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zizyaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 9th of July. In your Squiz today, Ash Barty is into the final. Bringing it home? More details on the assassination of the President of Haiti. And apologies to our cats. This is your Squiz today. Kate, there will be war-to-war news about both Wimbledon and the Euros this weekend. So in the interest of ensuring you're across what everyone is talking about, let's start with the one and only Ash Barty. She made it into her first Wimbledon final. Yeah, she did. So exciting for Ash and for Australia just generally. She did it in straight sets. The second was hard fought. Barty was impressive, though. She said herself that this is as close to a good a tennis match as I'll ever play. It's been 41 years since an Aussie woman has won a Wimbledon final. The last time was in 1980, and that was done by Yvonne Gulligong-Cawley, sort of serendipitous Simone as she's one of Barty's idols. They're really good mates, so hopefully she can get some tips. As for who she'll face, that's eighth seed Czech player Karolina Plitskova. That final is late tomorrow night. Another Aussie chasing a title is Dylan Orcott. He's through to the quad finals also tomorrow night. And as for the men's, we're still at semi-final stage, but what's for sure is that Novak Djokovic is on fire. He's after his sixth Wimbledon title. And from tennis, we move to the most popular sport in the world. That's football or soccer, depending on where you are. And it's the finals of the Euros on Monday morning. Yeah, a lot of people will be getting up to watch that, Simone, myself included. And for many, it's because of the buzz around England making the final for the first time ever. It's really the first time they've made a final of anything significant since they won the 1966 World Cup. And that was, of course, a very long time ago. So football fans feel like they've been waiting for this moment forever. They play Italy, who are undefeated for 33 games on the trot. So Italy are pretty good. Safe to say England are the underdogs. There's a lot we could go into about this tournament, but in my reading about it, one story I pulled out was that the England coach or manager, as they call them, Gareth Southgate, missed the deciding penalty in the 1996 semi-final penalty shootout that saw them lose against Germany. Anyone who knows football, Simone knows that's a really big deal. So what a moment it will be for him if they manage to get up. Yeah, it sure will be. As I said, Monday morning, 5am. And if that's not enough for football fans, there's Copa America this weekend also to decide the best side in South America. Argentina will play against host Brazil in Rio de Janeiro and all eyes will really be on two of the best players in the game, former Barcelona teammates Lionel Messi, who plays for Argentina, and Neymar from Brazil. Scott Morrison, Kate, yesterday made a couple of announcements on the back of the continuing COVID outbreaks in Sydney. He did, but first and foremost, he backed up what New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian said yesterday, and that is that people must comply with the stay-at-home orders if New South Wales is to get on top of this latest outbreak. He then went on to announce 300,000 extra vaccine doses for New South Wales. And also he eased the rules to help people whose jobs have been affected by the lockdown so they can more easily get access to disaster payments. Also, Simone reports around this morning that Australia has secured a deal to triple its access to Pfizer vaccines. So that's something. 
It sure is. And whilst we're there, let's zip over to Japan quickly, where organisers of the Tokyo Olympics have officially banned all spectators from the Games. They've got rising COVID infections over there and will be in a state of emergency for the entirety of the Games to try and limit the spread of the virus. Not long now, 23rd of July is the opening ceremony. News early yesterday, Kate, out of the Caribbean island of Haiti, the assassination of their president, Jovenel Moisi. A day on, we know a bit more about what went down. Yeah, we do. So we talked about that in the podcast yesterday. But what we know now is that four people believed to be involved in the assassination have been found and killed in a shootout with authorities. Two others have been detained and officers are still attempting to capture several remaining suspects. The how and why of it all presents a lot of question marks still. But the attack on Mr Moise's life comes at a particularly fractious period for the country. There's also uncertainty about who will take his place now. Some reports say the Chief Justice of the country's Supreme Court is next in line in the presidential line of succession. However, the last person to hold that post died of COVID-19 just weeks ago. So for the time being, the Prime Minister, Claude Joseph, says he's in charge of the country. He is. And since the assassination, he has declared a nationwide state of emergency or state of siege. And that basically allows for the banning of gatherings and the use of military for police roles, as well as other executive powers. Now, this next one, Kate, we knew was coming, but it's properly official now with the Prime Minister announcing all the details for a Royal Commission into veteran suicide. Yeah, he did. He confirmed it will be led by New South Wales' former Deputy Police Commissioner Nick Caldas and announced the inquiry's terms of reference, which is just a list of work to be done, basically. It's a long list, Simone, nine pages worth. To summarise, it will be a systematic analysis across serving and former personnel's dealings with our Defence Forces and what happens when they leave. The Department of Veteran Affairs and Defence will also be looked at to see how they manage things. An interim report is due in August next year and then a final report in June 2023. More than 400 suicide deaths have been reported among serving, reserve and ex-serving personnel since 2001 and reports are that numbers have soared in recent times. To that end, if you're a veteran or serving member and need help, details are in your episode notes. It was two months ago, Kate, that Bill and Melinda Gates announced they were done and dusted. It's been of keen interest to many because their foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is one of the largest in the world. The big question is whether they can still manage to work together. Yeah, kind of hard to unpick something that's called the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So (laughs) looks like they'll be working with their ex for the time being. They're going to give that a red hot go, Simone. But we do know now that if they can't sort it out, Melinda Gates will resign in two years and Bill will be left at the helm. That's their commitment they've made to staff. To put it in perspective, you say it's a big foundation. Its current endowment is US 65 billion dollars. That's gone up since they announced this week that they would be contributing an extra US $15 billion. So it's a hell of a lot of cash and it's a big operation, 1,700 employees, and they've opened regional offices across Africa, Asia, and Europe. Yeah, you've really got a feel for those employees who are stuck in the middle here, Kate. (laughs) Other things they announced this week is that they also plan to expand the number of trustees who oversee the foundation. It has been just the two of them after the third trustee, Warren Buffett, resigned last month. 
All right, Kate, tell us now about this study that surveyed people living alone during lockdowns and the behaviour of their cat or dog. Yeah, I'm probably not best placed to give my opinion on whether this is true or not, as I have neither a cat nor a dog. But I can tell you what the study found, which is that cats were quite put out by their owners being home all the time. They weren't much into it. Dogs, much more so. They were loving the company. You've got a cat, Simone. What's your experience? I do have a cat and I thought he liked me being at home, but maybe not, Kate. Maybe not, but no, go with your gut. If you think he likes you, just go with that. Blissfully unaware. (laughs) Absolutely. Finally, to finish off, Kate, a few listening won't be getting much further than their front door this weekend. And even if you can get out and about, it's always good to have some Netflix recommendations up your sleeve. Mine is In Your Blood, It Runs. It's a documentary about 10-year-old Aboriginal boy Duan and his struggle to balance traditional upbringing and state education. It's informative and inspiring. And it's just a great way to wrap up NADOC week this weekend. Yeah, mine is something on the completely other end of the entertainment spectrum. (laughs) The reboot of Gossip Girl is out on binge. Let's not call it a recommendation, though. I haven't seen it yet. And the reviews aren't great, Simone, but it's there for your trash viewing nonetheless. Yeah, we won't tell anyone. And if neither (laughs) of those sound like your cup of tea, you can give our squiz quiz a go for a bit of a taste tester. Which country had great success trialling a 35-hour work week? Reckon you know the answer, Kate? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to have to do the quiz. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to do the quiz. I'll pop a link to it in your episode notes and Kate, you can give that a crack. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend and we'll catch you on Monday. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.